Hi guys, welcome to Veritas. I'm Emily McHenry. If we haven't met yet, I'm super glad you guys are here tonight. If you're just dropping in, we've been in this series called Swipe Right, where we've been going through just a bunch of different topics surrounding the idea of dating. A couple weeks ago, we talked about cultural myths that we can tend to believe, and we kind of debunked those. And then last week, Kyle took us through 10 red flags to watch out for while we date. And then tonight, I'm here to talk to you we're going to get really practical tonight, and we're just going to talk about how to date. Which, to be honest with you, not many of you know me on a personal level, and not many of you knew me in college or high school, but I feel like the last person that should be telling you guys how to date. Like, there are tons of people that I'm sure would stand here tonight and have a ton of, like, really nice romantic stories and really nice, like, like sage advice. Um, and I have a, a lot of embarrassing stories. Um, even so, so much so, like even when I start, first started dating my now husband, Nick, um, on our first date, which mind you, we've, we were friends for probably five years before we ever went on a date with each other. So you would think that I would know how to like carry a conversation with him and just ask him like normal questions like a normal person does on a date, um, but I can tell you that I, I did not. Like, all normalness went out the window. I remember sweating, like, hard. And for whatever reason, of all the questions I could have asked him on a first date, I asked him at one point when the last time he threw up on a roller coaster was. Like, I, I, I vividly remember, like, asking that and immediately like sinking into my seat like cringing like why did that come out of my mouth um so I was with Nick but I have a really cringy story like probably my my most embarrassing moment to be honest with you that I don't think we'll ever make it into another talk and so you guys are gonna get to hear it tonight um it's about dating so I promise it relates and it's from whenever I was a freshman in high school so already off to a strong start so go back with me to my freshman year of high school, ninth grade, the age of like Axe Cologne and like Hollister graphic tees, okay? So we're all there. Uh, I knew that this guy, we'll call him Joe, I knew that Joe liked me. And I knew that Joe liked me because there was a, I don't know how long this went on, but there was a period of time that he would call me every night at midnight and leave me a voicemail where he would like sing to me like early 2000s like punk romance songs, okay? Like so, like so cringe. Everything about this is cringe, okay? Um, so I knew that Joe liked me and I knew that I didn't like Joe and I knew that he was probably going to ask me to the winter formal and I knew that I did not want to go to the winter formal with him. And so that's a backstory. So I'm, I'm driving, I'm a permit driver, don't even have my license yet. And my mom is in the passenger seat, and she has my phone, and Joe texts me and asks me to hang out that day. And instead of being like a normal mother who just like, you know, asked me, hey, a boy texted you, like, do you want to hang out with him later? Or just ignore the text, I don't know. My mom texts him back and invites him over for dinner that night. And I find out, and I'm like mortified, and my mom is guilt-tripping me because I just want to text him back and be like, sorry, weird, but that was my mom. Like, please don't come over for dinner. Um, 
But my mom guilt-tripped me, and so I didn't know what to do. For whatever reason, the, the first thing that came to my mind was, like, I'll just invite other people over, too, so it's not, like, just this guy and my family. And so I text a bunch of neighbors. I stage a, a full-on, like, block party to, like, hide from this guy. And, yeah, so block party time. We have to go pick him up because, remember, freshman in high school, like, we had to go to his house, ring the doorbell, and pick him up and say hi to his mom. Um, he comes in, smells like axe, like it, it just could like choke you. Um, and I, we get back to my house and I don't know what to do with him because like I don't want to talk to him. And so for whatever reason, well no, because he would sing all of those voicemails with me, like to me. I, I was like, well at least he knows how to sing and he likes singing so we'll just play rock band. Which might be a little like young for some of you guys, you might, might be a little young for that. But it's like Wii Sports era, and you just like, song, like someone had the mic, someone would play guitar, someone would play the drums, and you just play all these songs together like a rock band. And I think that I, I, I played this with him for like three hours straight. Like I didn't let him get a word in. Like it was very obvious that like he was like ready to say something to me, and I was just like, nope, next song. Um, and then here's the kicker. This is where it gets like... The, the worst, if you thought it was bad, just, yeah. Um, so we find out that there was dessert, and so we go upstairs, and, like, in front of, like, all of, you know, neighbors and friends and family, my mom had baked a cake, and on the cake, she had written his name on it in icing, and, like, his name wasn't Joe, right? It was a very unique name. There was no, like, like, oh, is it him? Like, no, it was for sure his name on the cake. Um, and so we, we ate the cake with his name on it. Um, so, like, I mean, just imagine, like, you're in ninth grade, you really like this girl, but she's pretty hot and cold, but she invites you over to her house, but she doesn't talk to you and forces you to sing in front of her for three hours straight, and then your name is on a cake, and then you leave, and you never hear from her again. <laughs> like, so embarrassing. Um, and, like, really confusing. Like, poor guy is probably still confused. I don't know. He's probably scarred. I'm scarred. Um, but turns out, dating is really complicated. Um, especially when you're in ninth grade and your mom gets involved. Um, but rock band and, like, cake or not, like, we all know dating is complicated. Like, you don't need me to tell you that. We don't know what we're doing. I mean... I feel like we all feel this tension, right? Like, that's why we get excited about a dating series is because I think deep down, we have no idea what we're doing, which is kind of shocking if you think about it, because more than any other generation before us, like, we have access to the most amount of advice and the most amount of, like, options than, like, any other, yeah, generation before us. We don't have to look hard to find, like, these inspirational or, or romantic stories or couples to look up to, like TVs, movies, I hear TikTok couples is like a thing, like they're, they're all around us. And then we have like unlimited options at our fingertips with dating websites, right? And then if we want like to turn to anywhere for advice, there are tons of influencers and podcasters like ready to put their own spin on it. And you would think that with all of this access to like all of these options and all of this advice, you would think that we would be like a little bit less stressed about 
dating, but actually we're, we're more stressed and maybe the most stressed and the most confused than like we'd ever been about this process. David Brooks, he's a columnist for the New York Times. He wrote an article about the modern dating sphere. And I think it's a long quote, but I think it, like he puts a nail on the head. We're going to read it. It says, they hit puberty around 13. That's you guys. And many don't get married until they're past 30. That's two decades of coupling, uncoupling, hooking up, relationships, and shopping around. This period isn't a transition anymore. It's a sprawling life stage. And nobody knows the rules. Once, young people came a calling as part of courtship. Then they had dating and going steady. But the rules have dissolved. And it goes on, I think. I'm just going to keep going. Um, they've been replaced by ambiguity and uncertainty. Cell phones, Facebook, and text messages give people access to hundreds of friends. That only increases, though, the fluidity, drama, and anxiety. There we go. I mean, this is kind of sad, right? Like, we want dating to be fun and fulfilling, but too often, it is unclear. It is confusing and full of anxiety. And my guess is, if you're here tonight, that you probably think, too, that there is a better way to do this thing. Um, my guess is that it's no surprise to you that the Bible doesn't kind of give us this step-by-step -step instruction manual on how to date. Dating wasn't even a thing until about 100 years ago. And so if you came here tonight looking for step-by-step -step instructions, I'm sorry, I'm not going to give that to you. But I think what the Bible does give us is it does give us principles to apply to all areas of our life, and that includes dating. And so that's kind of where we're headed. But first I wanted to get on the same page about like what dating even is, because I think it's kind of like tricky to define it. One of my favorite definitions of dating is from Ben Stewart's Single Dating Engaged Married. Um, if you've been around at all, you've probably heard us talk about it. A lot of this talk is from his book. But he defines dating as Dating is not a status to dwell in, but a process to move through. It is a series of actions meant to lead us to a particular end, discerning whether or not we are meant to marry a particular person. Dating exists for evaluation. And so to kind of shorten this up so we can like kind of remember it, we're going to say... Oh, this, oh, okay, we're back. Um, for ourselves tonight, we're going to say that shorter version of that. Dating is a process of evaluation. Dating is a process of evaluation. Okay, we're going to keep that in mind as we go through tonight because we're going to build on it and kind of draw out five biblical principles that we can find that we can apply to our dating life. And the first principle that we're going to start with tonight is prayerfully. We should date prayerfully. And here's why we need to start here. I asked around last week, some of you guys, some of the people on staff, just kind of what thoughts and emotions the idea of dating brings up for people. And these, this is what I heard. This is all what I heard. Dating brings up a fear of being rejected or being not enough for someone. Dating brings up fear of getting hurt or abandoned a fear of hurting someone else, embarrassment or shame about past dating mistakes, regret and confusion. 
Like literally none of these are fun. Like why, why do we want to date each other so bad if this is all, like, all the feelings that it brings us? Kind of joking. But it doesn't surprise me that dating brings up a whole lot of fear, anxiety, and confusion. Which is why I think we need to start with a posture of prayer. Prayer turns our hearts from ourselves, our worries, our what-ifs, and towards God. When we pray, we remind ourselves that God is good and he is working for our good. In prayer, we realize that we aren't control of our dating life, that we aren't control of our, of our destinies, of our fate, and that God is. Scripture tells us that God is sovereign, which means that he is over all, and that means he is over all things, and that includes your dating life. And another thing prayer does for us is it helps us align what we want with what God wants. And so this idea of prayer, if that's a new thing for you, or maybe that's just like intimidating for you, Jesus gives us a guide that we can use that I think is really helpful for, I mean, all of life. Um, we find it in Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. It's called the Lord's Prayer. And I just kind of wanted to go through that together and apply that prayer to dating together. So Lord's Prayer, it goes, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That means to be holy. That word hallowed means to be holy, set apart, and sacred. And so God, you are our Father. You are holy, and you are worthy to be praised. It goes on to say, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, God, would your will be done in my life? Would your will be done in my dating life? Would I seek your will, what you want for me, over what I want for me? And it goes on to say, give us today our daily bread. God, I trust that you will give me everything that I need today. And so even if I'm discontent in the season that you have for me, God, I trust that you have me here for a reason, and God, you still provide, and you are still good. Help me to see my situation and my season of life, like not from all of the places that I feel like I'm lacking, but in all of the places that you have given me good gifts. It goes on to say, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And so God, forgive me of the ways that I have hurt other people in the dating process. Forgive me for how I've hurt you. Forgive me for the ways that I've gone against you. Forgive me for the ways that I've hurt other people in the dating process. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, help me to see temptation as it really is. Help me to see how the evil one is enticing me and help me to run from it. Deliver me from temptation and sin. God, I don't want that. And so as we go through this prayer, I think it, it begs a few questions. Is this your posture in dating? Are you seeking God's will for your relationship over what you want? Are you trusting that God has given you today all that you need? And are you asking to be delivered from sin, or do you keep running back towards it? Once we have this vertical, like, 
posture down, it frees us up to move onto a horizontal or relational posture in dating. And that's our second principle. And that principle is that we should date graciously. You see, if we have yielded over control of our dating life to God, we're freed up. And I really mean that. Like, we are freed up to treat people graciously. Recognizing God is good and he is working for our good. Like, giving over control of of the situation to God who is in control. And seeking his will over my own. Like, this really frees us up to date people graciously. And here's what I mean by that. If you are a Christian... You have been chosen and redeemed by God. You have been brought near in a relationship to him through Jesus. You are called a son or a daughter of the king, and you are made in the image of that king. That is who you are. And those are just some of the ways that God has extended grace to you, but that's also like your identity. And who we are informs so much of what we do and how we act and how we treat other people. And so out of that, out of knowing that about yourselves, that is how we treat the people that we date. Even if they're not a Christian, even if you go on a date with someone that's not a Christian, that you still owe them the honor and dignity that they deserve because they bear the image of the God that you worship. And so how this plays out practically, this idea of dating graciously, is that we don't date somebody anymore to make us happy or to make us look better or to fill our needs, but rather like our focus kind of turns away from us and towards the other person and towards God. And so dating graciously means that the next time that you go on a date, you don't have to obsess over being a certain way to get someone to like you because you have been freed up. You already know who you are and whose you are And so you just get to know, you just get to get to know the other person. You get to know their likes and their interests, their passions, and their character. How gracious of it is is it of us to turn our attention and our focus and our stress and anxiety away from ourselves and get to just focus and care for the person that we date. Another way that this plays out, this dating graciously idea, and I think that this is a huge one, Stop ghosting each other. I mean, is ignoring somebody really acknowledging the honor and the dignity that that person is owed? I mean, that person bears the image of the God that we worship. And I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I was a queen of this. I mean, you just heard an embarrassing story where I just, like, I mean, didn't talk to someone for, like, three hours while they were at my house. But I was a queen of this in college. Like, I, I remember running away from guys before. True story. I did not do this well, but I have so much regret over the ways that I let the awkwardness of the situation or my fear of hurting someone get in the way of of just giving someone like honor and dignity by giving them a straight and clear answer. And that kind of leads me into my next principle, and that is that we need to date with clarity. Let's say that you're interested in someone you'd like to get to know better. Or, and you don't really know how to proceed or initiate. Or it's obvious that someone is interested in you, but you're, you're really not that interested in them. And you don't know how to go about just like all of the social situations that you guys are in together. Or maybe you've been on a couple dates and you're not really quite sure where the other person is at. We need clarity. 
We need clarity when we initiate. We need clarity throughout the process of dating, and we need clarity when we exit. That means if you are interested in someone and you have the intention of maybe someday asking them on a date, ask them on a date. Don't just slide into their DMs. Don't just text them. Like, I don't care who you are. Ain't nobody really like that. Talk to them and ask them out, like in person, with your mouth. Don't just ask them to hang out one-on-one. Like, just hang out repeatedly. I assure you, most people would prefer to know your intentions rather than just be guessing about what your intentions are. Remember how we just talked about how anxiety-ridden and confusing dating is? Like, clarity helps us remove that for the other person. I did that whole, like, hanging out thing a lot in college, and it always, always left me feeling really confused and anxious. When, when Nick, my, my husband now, he started to pursue a relationship with me, and to be honest, he was really, really good at being clear. I remember when he told me that he liked me, we had a whole conversation in that moment about like, okay, we just need to be like maybe a little overly communicative about this. Um, at the time, we had been friends for a long time. Our friend group was the same friend group. He was coming on staff with Veritas. I was already on staff with Veritas, and so we just felt like a lot of things were at stake by like going on a date. And so we just said that, we, okay, we're just going to talk about how we feel about how things are going throughout this whole thing. So after every date, he was really good at being like, hey, I had fun tonight. I'd like to do this again sometime soon. When are you free? So on that date, we like eliminated my anxiety of like, oh no, does he still like me? Am I going to get to go on another date with him? Um, and we just made another date plan right there. Dating with clarity, it means that throughout the entire process of dating, you guys communicate about how things are going. It's a process, right? Dating is not a status. Chances are, if you're not talking about it, you're probably not on the same page. And so we need to talk, we need to communicate with clarity often. A few verses that talk about this. Ephesians 4.15, it says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. That means that as we mature, like part of maturing in Christ, into the image of Christ, is speaking the truth in love. Another verse is Matthew 5:37, and says, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. I mean, woof. Like Jesus is not talking about dating right there, like I just have to say that. Um, But he is talking in the Sermon on the Mount, which if you're not familiar, is this message that Jesus gives his disciples right after he tells them, like, the good news that the kingdom of God has come near through him. And he's inviting them into that, and he's giving them all of these ways that they are supposed to live into that invitation. And one of the ways that Jesus says, like, that we should live into that invitation as kingdom people is with our words. And so he is really serious there. This, uh, yeah, okay. Be clear in your words. Be clear in your intentions. Okay, the fourth principle is that we are to date and process. And I feel like a question that I hear a lot of the time that comes up from you guys is, how do we pace ourselves? Which to me, that's actually a really good question 
Because if you're asking that, if you're asking how do we pace ourselves, that means that you're viewing dating as a, as a process and not as a status. And I think this principle of process plays out in a few different ways with dating. One has to do with, I think, the amount of pressure that we put on dating, Christians especially. You don't need to know if you want to marry the person before you go on a date with them. Sometimes I think that we can put way too much pressure on figuring it out and forget that dating is the process of figuring it out. Another way that I think that we, we can do this, we can date in process, is the way that we think about becoming closer, both emotionally and physically. So like for Nick and I now, my husband, we don't have to worry about pacing ourselves in our relationship. Like we, we pace ourselves with like food and TV, but in our relationship, we can go as far physically and as deep emotionally as we want to. In fact, it's really, really good for our marriage if we do that. But when we were dating, we were really careful to put up boundaries and limits to kind of protect our relationship. We didn't want to speed up the process or pretend like we were married, that we were a status when in fact we weren't and we were still in process. Song of Solomon 8.4 says, do not stir up or awaken love until the appropriate time. Kyle touched on this idea last week uh, when talking about red flags, and Alex talked a few weeks ago about sex. And so if you're just dropping in here tonight, I would highly recommend going back and listening to those talks because I'm not going to re-explain what they already did, but rather build on top of what they've already said. And so let's say that you, you already know that you don't want to have sex in your relationship and you know that you don't want to push the emotional boundary thing too much, and, but you're still wondering, like, how do we pace ourselves? And so here's, like, two things that I'll say. The first is to over-communicate about your relationship to each other. If you hang out with somebody and, and you sense that someone shared something that pushed the relationship forward, Talk about it. Make sure that the other person is comfortable with, with what was shared. And talk about if, if they weren't, like what should we do to kind of still remain close and still re like develop our friendship, but like not share as much next time. If you guys cross a physical boundary, talk about it with each other immediately. Talk about what led you guys to that place where you did cross the line and then move that line back a few steps. Talk about the speed of your relationship together, how, how fast things are moving. Like I said before, you guys probably aren't on the same page and so just get on the same page together. The second thing I'll say uh, when it comes to pace and, and dating as a process is just allow dating to be fun. Sometimes I think we, we take it a little bit too seriously and we rush emotional limits and it leaves out the part where we're just building a friendship together. Now I'm not saying like throw caution to the wind, but, but like so much of dating is just building a friendship. And so find things that you guys enjoy to do together. Get to know their likes, their interests, their passions, their character. You know that most of the time that Nick and I spend together now that we're married, is not making out or going super deep emotionally. Like, it's not. Most of our time that we spend together now that we're married is just enjoying each other's, like, enjoying our friendship that we built, started to build when we were dating. 
And so the fifth principle that I'll talk about tonight is that we should date in community. And so date, that means dating with, in community with people that is outside of your relationship, not your significant other. And so if dating is a process of evaluation, we need people to help us evaluate. When Nick and I went about buying our first house, uh, we thought we knew exactly what we wanted, but we still included a ton of people in that process. We, we, we hired a realtor, and we, we included both sets of our parents in like pretty much every decision that we made. And I'm really thankful for that. We, we, there was one house that we really loved, I, like, I fell in love with it. It was perfect in every way to me. And I was willing to overlook like every bad thing about this house. And it took our realtor to like really explain what foundation issues meant in a house um, for us to like willingly walk away. But you know what? I'm so thankful that our realtor did explain that we were going to have some foundation issues with that house. So we did walk away. And then that's, oh, hey, that's a picture of when we did buy a house, so the house that we did end up buying, when we went under contract, we included even more people into this evaluation process. We hired an inspector, and what an inspector does is basically looks in every nook and cranny and gives you a detailed report of every single thing that could possibly go wrong in the house while you own it. It's like super fun. Um, but, well, I will say, like I was really nervous while the inspector was doing like the inspection because I really wanted this house. Like I really wanted this house to work out and I really didn't want him to find anything that was gonna like require us to walk away. Well, I mean, it worked out, we did buy the house and I'm so thankful that we had the inspector there that helped us see all of, all of the things about the house that we couldn't see on our own. Our parents and our realtor inspector, all of these people helped us so much in the evaluation process. You need people outside of your relationship to speak into your relationship. The, the Bible talks about community in so many different places. I'm just going to talk about two places that I think are really great. Proverbs 11:14 says, where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. And so I just want to say, like, when, when we don't want to let people in, usually we think that we're protecting the relationship. Like there's probably parts of that relationship that we don't want people to know because we don't want to have to walk away from the relationship and we don't want it to crumble. But I think scripture tells us something really interesting when it says that actually when there is no guidance, when no one is speaking into those parts, a people falls. We need guidance, we need counselors. Where, where counselors are, there's safety. Another verse, Hebrews 3, 13 says, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So sin is deceitful. It is going to try and make bad things look good and good things look bad. Bad. We need people to encourage us, it says daily, so that we're not hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Love blinds us from reality. It, it just does. And so a few questions to kind of check yourself as you go about dating and thinking about community is, do your trusted friends know the depths of your relationship? 
What are the people that you look up to, what do they say about your relationship? And then are you willing to listen to them? And that's, that's a bonus red flag because if you're not willing to listen to your trusted people, that's a red flag. Okay, there is like so much more I could say about dating. I mean, entire books have been written on the subject and so if you feel like we've scratched the surface, we did. Um, if you haven't yet, Kyle made an Instagram reel a couple weeks ago with some of the staff favorites of like all of the books about dating. Go ahead and check that out. Um, I think it's really great. But I wanted to leave us with kind of this, this big overarching question. And as the music team comes back up, what is your motivation behind dating? Like when you're being really honest with yourself, why do you want to date? Why do you date? Really be honest. Because at the heart of all of these principles, at the heart, at the core of what they are, it, like, at the core of them, it's not that you would date better, and it, it's not so that you would avoid an awkward interaction or avoid a broken heart. But these principles are helpful, and I believe for your good because ultimately they help us glorify God. Because when you date and you recognize that God is good and working for our good, and that he is sovereign, and that when we seek his will over our own, we glorify God. And when we date and we treat the other person graciously out of the grace that we've been given, we glorify God. When you communicate clearly, when you speak the truth in love, you glorify God. When you hold dating open-handedly and as a process and not as a status that it wasn't intended to be, you glorify God. And when you deeply involve other people into your relationship and when you lean into community, you glorify God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So what's your motivation behind dating? In a world where, let's face it, like no one knows what they're doing, where most people date in a whole lot of anxiety and ambiguity, let's be a people that shows the world that there is a better way to date. Let's be a people who date above all else to glorify God. Amen.